This is the Shine On You Crazy Daisy podcast, and I'm your host, Trudy Simmons from the Daisy Chain Group, providing platforms and opportunities for businesswomen to be seen and heard. This platform is for the women entrepreneurs that want to hear the real stories of what it takes to be yourself and run a business with all the different hats that you might have to wear. Come and join the Shine On You Crazy Daisy membership, offering online networking, co-working, collaboration, and monthly masterclasses for you to grow your knowledge. Go to thedaisychaingroup.com for more information. These are the platforms to hear and share the stories of the tenacious, the rebellious, and the resilient women that are working towards the future that they build for themselves and their families. Hello and welcome to the Shine On You Crazy Daisy podcast and today I am thrilled and excited to introduce you to Gemma Wilshire from Winchester GP. Gemma, thank you so much for being involved in the book and the podcast. Please tell us about your business. Oh, well, that's a total pleasure, Trudy. Thank you for having me. Um, so yes, so I co-own and manage Winchester GP. We are a private GP service um, operating throughout the Winchester area. We're offering face-to-face consultations, also video consultations. We'll talk about those a bit later on. Um, but yes, absolutely everything from when people are feeling unwell in the moment to if they want to take a more proactive approach to their well-being with wellness screens, specialist menopause consultants, pretty much anything for people to, to make sure they're feeling their best. That is so wonderful. What really surprised me about reading your chapter was the decision to leave the fast-paced world of investment banking. <laughs> what <actually laughs> drove you to? Because it sounded so much fun in the chapter. I mean, fast-paced, yes, but but what drove you? To yeah. That? Oh, absolutely. I cannot deny it. it was so much fun going to New York, early 20s. I mean, ideal, got no responsibilities. I had the energy. I was working all hours, God sends, partying all hours, God sends. Um, so absolutely. If somebody asked me, would you do it again? Absolutely. Without any hesitation whatsoever. Um, but I think obviously life and circumstances move on. Um, and I found myself kind of, you know, six, seven years into my career, um, not so much enjoying the everyday substance of my work anymore. I felt like I'd very much got into a rut and, you know, I kind of learned some techniques, but essentially what I was doing was starting to feel quite repetitive. Um, I wasn't necessarily enjoying the interactions, the personal interactions that I was having on a day-to-day basis, which I think is one of the big reasons why we go to work actually is the social side of it. Um, and I think, I guess the the clincher for it was when I was kind of, you know, you go through your wheel of life and all the things that are going well and why you're doing what you're doing. And the only reason I could think of for carrying on in that job was money. And that was it. Um, And I feel that, you know, when you lose that sense of purpose, when you lose that sense of there is an intrinsic value to what I am doing uh, over and above the fact that it enables me to keep the lights on and, and look after my nearest and dearest, that is the point at which one can reassess. Mm. Um, and then obviously at the same time, as I referenced in the, in the chapter, I had some underlying health things that were starting to go on, which now with hindsight, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind were completely linked to you know, the feelings, you know, the, the stress that I was feeling from going to work. Um, so actually it was sort of, you know, I call it one of the chances. There are so many points in my life where things just kind of conspire, whether I subconsciously drove them that way or whether they happened, you know, you could do a whole nother essay on that. But I just felt that, you know, when ultimately the round of redundancies came over, I was like, oh my God, why have not I done this before? You know, this was right for me. And, you know, I just needed somebody to say, just let it go. 
um, that was what was best for me. Well, and what, what was great in your chapter was talking about the, the infertility side of it connected with the stress of what you were going mm-hmm. through, burnout that happens in these highfalutin jobs that mm. feel like it's all money driven, but the stress yeah. that the body goes through and how yeah, absolutely in, in, in wanting to have children, finding the time and also um, the, the medical things that come along with the stress that it does to your body. Mm. I mean, I have to say to you, Trudy, as well, that my experience is not in any way unique. You know, it was very standard for women. Uh, you know, I felt lucky realizing quite early on I was under 30, knowing that I was I had some issues and I was going to need to get help. But there are so many women that work incredibly hard in those careers and get to a much later stage in their life before mm. they even think, oh, by the way, I'm going to schedule some children in at this point. And then only then do they kind of start feeling, um, you know, realizing there's an issue there. And I have to tell you, in in the waiting room of the fertility clinic where I got to spend a lot of time, um, there were lots of very high power career women, you know, lawyers going over their case notes when they're waiting for their transvaginal ultrasound or their blood test, trying to kind of hold everything down and fit this thing of having a family in. Um, and it's incredibly, incredibly hard. And I, you know, then I was very happy that all I had to do was sit and knit in the waiting room rather than <laughs> sit and manage my client base. <laughs> yeah. And this is what was yeah. so brilliant about um, g- getting your story out is that it will relate mm. to so many people. But what, so then obviously you had your wonderful children and then mm. you want to go back to work. And then you talked about feeling worried about explaining your surprisingly long career break. Mm-hmm. Why did you feel like you had to explain it or why did it worry you? Um, I, I did, to be honest, it didn't worry me until I started trying to get back into the world of work. And then you're there kind of mapping out your CV and, you know, I've done this. I went to this university up into these blue chip employers, you know, boom, boom, boom. It all looks great. And then career break. And people look at that and go, well, Ten, you know, it was best part of 10 years. Well, you know, how do you justify that time? You know, obviously you've got rusty or you would have, you know, without, uh, you know, I don't know, how do you explain? Gosh, I really feel like I've learned so much in the last 10 years. Mm. Uh, but when you break it down into the nitty gritty, it's not CPD courses and it's not, I went and trained myself in this. And I did do some training in that time, as, as I mentioned, but it's more um, just life experience and maturity and, um that you can bring and and it's not that you've lost the person that you were but you just haven't got any lines on your cv that you can write you know uh develop negotiating skills or you know (laughs) uh you know all the all the things that you know mums mums learn you're kind of really weaving into the tissue of your family's life and kind of providing that mesh there and it's not if you take an individual strand down try and explain it it looks like nothing but when they're all when you're delivering that the whole time kind of it does become this incredibly strong you know network and mesh of support that you're creating for that family unit um but it just doesn't translate very well onto a cv yeah but that's why (laughs) i really wanted to speak about it because it is it's so Mm. it's an incredible dichotomy of the beginning of your chapter where you're fast-paced burning out stressed Mm. um, finding out that if you want to have children you've got to go through this thing Mm. children and the other side of that is crikey now I've got to explain that I've just mm. justify the last 10 yeah. years of my life I've got yeah, yeah. either side mums are feeling like they're not doing enough on either side of absolutely of this incredible Completely. experience of the of everything that you can impart to your children and to your families and yeah 
when you wrote that in the book, it, it honestly broke my heart to read it because mm. you're not the only person that thinks it, but I haven't seen it written in that way before. And mm. it's shocking. It is shocking that that's what your brains, mum's brains sit and do of crikey, I'm mm-hmm. not going to justify where I've been for 10 years so that I can get a job to support my family. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I guess the only, so the positive spin on it is that, that ultimately was what kind of, you know, gave me the nudge I needed to say, well, look, if the job out the job isn't out there that you want and that you feel you're capable of doing and that that you feel kind of, you know, justifies the experience and the capability that I, I feel I have to offer, then you just have to go and make it for yourself. Um, and, you know, and it's fantastic that women are, you know, resourceful in that way and, and that they can go and say okay well I'll just you know rewrite the book for myself yeah, which is what you've done and now you've yeah. got this brilliant... and so many women do which is fantastic <laughs> yeah you've got this brilliant opportunity with Winchester GP and having it mm-hmm. um Dr Tom as we call him yeah yeah <laughs> the feeling of walking into a private practice because I couldn't get an appointment with um with the NHS which is fine um and that feeling of yeah not- being on that seven minute timeline and feeling seen and heard mm-hmm. is an incredible mm. experience when you're feeling one of your lowest of what's going on with me right now but what has yeah. experience been for you in the practice over the last two years of COVID? Mm, yeah so I mean I think um, you know in one sense it's just been a rapid evolution as every single business out there suddenly has to carry on you know delivering you know what they do brilliantly but with massive constraints so um, obviously at the very beginning it was the almost instant move to video consultations um, which we had never used before we always had the capability within our systems to do it um, but we are big fans of face-to-face you know we absolutely love that kind of you know very personal um you know doctor doctor patient um moment in the clinic room so that was a bump for us um but I can actually say that you know using video and I, I use that advisedly not telephone very much video they can really be incredibly powerful um obviously hugely convenient for people um and you can get so I think the statistics show about 90 percent of the information you can still get through a video consultation obviously apart from the laying on of hands yeah. um that doesn't happen but as long as you've got access to good diagnostics in conjunction so you can access blood tests you can access imaging they're still a really really useful tool and they're one that you know understandably um and quite rightly we are moving back to -to face-to-face consultations now but if we stopped offering video consultation and went back to how we were doing it before the pandemic we'd have lots of people going oh I have to come in just for that (laughs) um you know I want to stay in my pajamas I'm feeling rubbish and you know I'm, I'm good for them so it's definitely added um something to our service and the flexibility that we can offer our patients um we'd had other kind of crazy just covid moments that um we're now kind of past at one point in order to carry on having blood tests we had like a drive-through phlebotomy kind of service where people who desperately need we needed to have these monitoring blood tests done they came to a drive-through location window down make sure you're kind of nice and wrapped up arm out quick blood test and off they went again so all these amazing like kind of crazy just making do type measures that we had to evolve um and we also created something that we nicknamed the dock in a box which was um you know a, a, a little kind of kit that we could send out to our patients of things like stats probes um little mini thermometers um 
little finger prick blood testing kits and um, all the things that when we couldn't be with them if we said look we need to just do run a quick blood test on you can you just do a finger prick test and send it back to us just you know little creative things that we could do to carry on keeping our patients safe so it definitely kept us on our toes um but uh you know happy to get back to largely sort of normal running but keeping the best bits which are particularly the video side of it well and i think that that's the 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 brilliance of of how you've run things is the customer service side of, of running a doctor's practice mm -hmm. and having that personal mm -hmm. touch with people is is so mm -hmm. you can't underestimate it i think we've learned that more mm -hmm. in the last two years so good on you absolutely if there, oh well thank you <laughs> if there was one lesson that you've learned that you would want every entrepreneur to know what would it be I would say don't try and do it on your own. And that doesn't necessarily mean in a kind of corporate sense of like inviting someone in and making them a shareholder instantly or whatever. But, you know, please don't think that you can do everything on your own without kind of, you know, massive cheerleading, um, people who believe in your mission as much as you do, um, you know, get your kind of entourage um, together um, at the very beginning and that you know is obviously networking it's yeah. your life partners it's your family um you know you really want them on board with you um to kind of because you are going to be about to go on a roller coaster and you're going to have down days as well as up days and you need to be able to share those with other people um and i would also say if i could have my time again i would have done the brave thing and hired people in quicker um, you know, and that's a heart stopping moment, as I'm sure you know, Trudy, when you kind of get your first, you're as an entrepreneur, you're thinking, well, okay, I'll get paid, I won't get paid, you know, that's my problem. But the moment you hire someone and you have their livelihood dependent upon you through the salary, that's a kind of scary moment. And I think I would advise people to look carefully about how they could either get some sort of micro funding or crowdfund or something to get someone hired on as well. Because again, having experienced burnout myself in a corporate context, but having experienced it, I would say that is one of the big things to try and get in place first of all, to know that you will still be able to have some weekends or some time off or time with your family um, because it can very quickly just take over uh, if you let it. <laughs> um, what is your favorite business book? Okay, so I went a little bit off piece here. It's not a book that anyone else has written, um, but it's something called The Best Self Journal, um, yeah. which um, we recommend, and we recommend it to our patients as well. Um, and I think it's for anybody who's juggling in their lives and sort of spending their days incredibly busy, mixing home, work, whatever. And you can get to the end of the day and you have, you know, you know you've been busy, you know you've done some stuff, but goodness me, can't even remember the beginning or, how, you know, whatever it was. So these are... Um, these are sort of sectioned out really brilliantly. You have a kind of a 12 week planner and then you have individual weekly planners. And then each, every single day um, is broken down kind of in the like half hour increments. Um, we've got scribblies for ideas, but the most important things are every single day, you set some targets, you have a goal, you have to do some gratitudes in it. So in the morning, wake up, think of some reasons that you're grateful for. Um, and then do the same thing again and then notice your wins at the end of the day as well and that could just be you know I don't know got to the end of, the, of a hard day without completely freaking out or it could Yay! be wow I just you know, won a new contract but exactly so um, it's uh, I find you know in moments when I feel like I'm a little bit hamster wheelie or kind of wheel spinning 
I actually just make make 20 minutes to sit and plan my day and, and then you just feel like you're kind of ticking them off and you're just, Emma, just that knocking, the, knocking the volleys back over the net yeah no that is it's perfect <laughs> to have the resources as well out there for you to be able to be grateful mm. for each day because we do forget yeah. Gemma, thank you yeah. so much for writing the chapter for Shine You Crazy Daisy and for being involved in the podcast. Oh, it's a total pleasure. Thank you, Trudy. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and come back for more inspiration. If you're a businesswoman looking for that community that will support you and lift you up, come and join the Shine On You Crazy Daisy membership, offering online networking, co-working, collaboration and monthly masterclasses to grow your knowledge. Go to the daisychaingroup.com for more information. And for even more inspiration, please go to the link under this video and get your copy of the Shine On You Crazy Daisy series of books with inspirational and motivating stories from businesswomen around the world.